Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Sober Playground. I'm the host, Cole B. Little background on me. I got to spend 30 days at a residential treatment facility in Texas. Went there June 6th, got out July 6th of 2022. And I've been doing some intense outpatient work since then. And during my pink cloud phase, about 10 days in at residential treatment, I had the idea that I should definitely have some more sober hobbies. And being a music producer, I have the ability to record audio, so naturally I thought, why not start a podcast? The world needs another podcast, I thought. No, I'm joking. I know that it certainly does not, but I think I'm going to try to do something a little bit different than some of the other sober podcasts. I don't want to get so much into the darkness that I know is there. I'm going to try to keep it as bright and optimistic as possible. I'm planning on having some comedic elements. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but this first episode, Drink Like a Sailor, it's, uh, I'd say a friend. He's a friend now. My wife is from central Pennsylvania, and about a year and a half ago or so, a year ago, she said, hey, uh, some guys from my hometown are doing this podcast an addictive perspective and she knew that I was an alcoholic I was not convinced yet but I checked it out and these guys were awesome it's Matt Taylor and Josh they're from central Pennsylvania and I especially connected with Matt because he is was really going through it still we came to Pennsylvania for summer vacation this year after my residential treatment and I had never met Matt but my wife got me in contact with him and I asked him to be my first guest on this. And I met him at a meeting, an AA meeting, and he came by to my in-law's basement and we recorded this first episode. So here's the interview with Matt. I really appreciate him taking time out of his day to come and talk to somebody he didn't really know. And definitely check out An Addictive Perspective. They've got several episodes and they're all excellent. I highly recommend that. And without further ado, here's Drink Like a Sailor with Matt from Pennsylvania. So hi everybody, I'm Matt. I met Cole today <laughs> through, his, through his wife. Um, I grew up around in the area with his wife. Um, Cole reached out to me and asked me if I would come on. Um, you know, my sobriety date is January 18th of 2021. Uh, before that, I was an active everyday drinker and cocaine user and weed smoker for uh, progressively along the lives from the time I was 17 to the time I was 27. Um, for me, uh, you know, I grew up in a regular household, you know, great parents, uh, two really good brothers, none of which are alcoholic in any way. They're the weird people that, uh, can g have a glass of whiskey and not finish the whole thing, um, or have a beer and just be cool with that. I was never like that. Um, the first time I got drunk, I was 14 years old. I had one of my friends, his name was Brandon. And uh, he was a new kid at our school, so he lived in uh, the Bloomsburg area. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to go stay at his grandparents' house. And I was like, hell yeah, man. Like, I'm, I love a sleepover. <laughs> so um, we got there, and, uh, you know, he's like, hey, she's got, we've got some bottles of wine and stuff we're going to kill tonight. Or, like, homemade, like, moonshine stuff. Nice. And... Uh, yeah, I drank a little bit, and I was like, "Well, this is the most fun I'm ever I've ever had in my life." Like, <laughs> I, like I was I've always been a pretty outgoing person, but like I always had kind of like a nervousness thing about me. Yeah. yeah. How old were you at this? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. That's young, man. It's really yeah. young. So, yeah. So you know, we start drinking, and I just keep going. Like I'm like, if I feel like this, then 
I just want to feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, I ended up blacking out that night. Uh, threw up. His gram made us chicken fries, like those like chicken like French fry looking things. I threw those up all over his curtain. Uh, there was girls over. I have no idea what happened there. You know, I don't know. Um, but uh, woke up the next day in his bed and was just like, oh, like that was, I I got drunk, blackout, and my first hangover all in the first night that I ever drank. Um, and I might have like snagged some sips before that or something. But yeah. This is the first time that I like really drank. Um, that was like the day before Christmas Eve. So I was raised Catholic. So my family, uh, we we're going to Christmas Eve mass the next day. Um, so I'm getting, t- I'm getting dressed up and everything. And I'm sick. Like I, this is like, it's still one of the worst hangovers I've ever had. Like, you know, and, um, I'm, I'm not in a good place. My mom's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I think I got the flu, you know, or something. <laughs> um, anything. I, I yeah, got something. Yeah. Anything. So, um, we go to that and, uh, you know, my brother, like we, we go to Red Lobster on Christmas Eve every year and have our like Christmas Eve family dinner. I couldn't eat anything. My brother went to Rite Aid or somewhere to like get me medicine and stuff. Oh, thanks. I didn't even tell him. Um, they didn't find out about that until like six months later, a couple months later, maybe three months later. Um, me and my friends were like, we were, I was stealing change out of my parents. Like they, they'd have this thing where it had a bunch of quarters and I was stealing change out of that. And I, uh, we got like a case of like bush light or something and, uh, we were killing cans and like, you know, drinking and everything in my garage. And I would put the empties at the end of my yard because the end of my, like, I have like three acres of land in the end of my yard. There was like these woods. So I would just put a trash bag like out there. I'm like, they would never go back there. Not thinking that my mom was at one point a 14 year old or, you know, a teenager (laughs) being like, if I was going to, if they're drinking, where would this stuff go? She came in with the cans and everything. And she's like, how long you been drinking for? And I just came clean on everything. So I was grounded for a little bit. And I was like, you know, I, you know, I, every time throughout my life that I like really disappointed somebody, I would like get this overwhelming sense of like guilt, you know, like, yeah, I get the same yeah, guilt, super guilty conscience. You know, anytime I disappointed anybody, like it was just like, I would just beat myself up to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And that I stuck to that until I was probably like a junior in high school. Like I didn't really like drink in between that. If I did, it wasn't super consistently. Um, and then, you know, oh, everyone starts getting their licenses and stuff. Um, and I had a buddy who had a cabin. So, um, you know, I would go up, we would go up and we'd have, you know, these parties and everything. And every single one, I would be the drunkest person in the room. Or at least if I wasn't, I was working on being the drunkest person in the yeah. room. You know, and I would just, <clears throat> and it was fun, man. Like, I had a good time, like for a while like I would just drink and drink until I like passed out or like and you know I would do stupid stuff and like make people laugh because like you know I would I just want people to like me you know yeah like at the end of the day like I've always felt kind of uncomfortable in my own skin even though I could put on the facade that I was the most comfortable in my own skin you know I can relate to that 100% man yeah but yeah no and one thing that I do want to know is that I was a sports kid growing up like I mean I you see it's a small town so you don't mm-hmm. really have to be like you know a, you don't have to be Alex Rodriguez to be <laughs> yeah. considered a good baseball player or anything around here but I, like growing up that's all I did I played baseball football and basketball um, and I was like obsessed about it kind of but I never really like put in the work to like be really good but I was like good enough I was small town good yeah you know? what position in baseball did you play I was first baseman nice yeah are you left handed no I'm a right handed no? yeah cool. I just write left handed oh I, really yeah I don't know <laughs> nice. I don't know why I do that <laughs> but um but yeah but as soon as I started like getting into like partying like I stopped caring about that stuff like not to the point where it's like I didn't play or I didn't show up to practice it's just like mentally even when I was at like football practice I never really wanted to be at except my senior year I got like you know graduation goggles and was like oh this is cool now (laughs) Uh, but baseball like I would always like look forward to practice and everything like you know I would think about all the time you know I'm a big Yankees fan and everything Uh, but when I started drinking I just completely lost interest I remember being on a summer legion team and Taylor um you you've heard Taylor's story um me and him would just like drink whiskey in the dugout and stuff like Damn. You know, and just like it was the only thing I cared about. So I want to get that point across that like even before I knew it was a complete obsession, 
it was a complete obsession. Yeah, you were forgetting about things you cared about and the, things you care about again as yeah. an adult. Yeah, like I, people would invite me to do things, and if we weren't drinking, I wasn't interested. Like, and I was even like upfront about that. I'm like, why would I go on a hike? You know, what I mean? <laughs> like it just didn't. And I was like. I was like very bold about that too. Like I would just be like, "No, I'm not doing that." Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. You know, like I've got drinking to do. You know, and I yeah. got to it. You know, I tell people when I tell my story in like a in like a meeting setting, um, I'll say that like once I really started drinking, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do, and it, that's exactly what I got. Um, I got exactly what I wanted because once I really got into it, it was the if I wasn't. Even sometimes when I was at work, but if I had any free time, it was the only thing I did for fun. Zero hobbies. Really? Nothing. Like, I, like I remember, so fast forward a little bit, I, I go to college for like eight weeks and I'm like, this isn't me. You know, so I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get out of this town. I'm going to join the Navy. So I go, dude, I don't think about what job I want. I don't think about anything. I go to the recruiter. I'm like, I want to join the Navy. He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't care. You know, like, and he's like, okay, I could take the first job that they offer me. And for me, it was like almost just writing that check that you're just never going to cash. You know, it was yeah. swiping a credit card for me. It was just, I'm never going to have to pay this bill. So I had nine months or like eight months to just work a regular job here and tell everybody like, I'm going to be in the Navy, you know, be proud of me. I'm doing something with my life, yep. you know? So during that time, I'm just raging. Like mm -hmm. I work, I'm working night shift at Target, like Sunday night through Thursday night, <laughs> Friday morning to Sunday, I'm at Penn State or I'm at, you know, Shippensburg, I'm at Bloomsburg. I'm at one of the colleges around just filling in the fun time with everybody else. Yeah. And I have this story of like, oh, I'm going in the Navy. Like, I'm going to serve this country, you know, yeah. I'm going to be a hero. You know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm already building like a legend in my own head about what's going on. And then it gets to the point where it's like, uh, I'm coming up on boot camp time. Like, it's like, I have like two weeks till I'm going to boot camp and I'm like, oh shit. You know, like, I'm actually going to have to go. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to do this. And I thought to myself, like, maybe we just shouldn't do it. But for, like, I was like, no, like, let's just go. So I went to boot camp and everything. And that was fine. You know, that was, you know, I get out. A school, everyone's proud of me. They're like, yeah, you're going to do such great things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel it. I get to my first ship, um, or my only ship, but it's in Norfolk, Virginia. We're in the yards, so uh, we're not going out to sea or anything. Like, they're getting worked onto the ship and everything. And my, I meet my chief, and he goes, you know, get have fun now, because as soon as this was in October, no, October, he's like, as soon as January hits, we're going to be out to sea until, like, next, the year after. And I'm like, okay. So, like, I was just, like, I was living on the ship. I didn't have any friends. I felt so out of place, you know. And the guys that I worked with, like, they were really good to me. Like, uh, they would, like, take me out. One of them in particular, he would take me out um, on his, like, off days or whatever. Let me crash at his place because I was living on the ship, which sucks. Yeah. And, you know, like, I was 18, 19 at the time. You know, we, he would take me to, like, this one pizza place by Old Dominion that didn't card. And, you know, we drank and stuff, and I had a good time, and it was fun, you know. Um, I get on my first, like, at-sea deployment, and uh, we hit our first port, and the same guy's like, dude, you're coming out with me. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you're my dude. You're my guy. <laughs> you know, and we go out, and I say this about my Navy experience. I've been to probably 10 to 15 countries. I don't, I don't remember. I'd have to write them all down, like, and probably have to call some friends and be like, where did we go? Um... I could not tell you one thing culturally about any of those countries. I couldn't tell you what the food tastes like. I couldn't tell you what the sights were like. I didn't go on one tour. I didn't do any of, I didn't, we were in Israel. I didn't go to Jerusalem. You know, it was a huge tour for that. Every place I went, I went to the first bar that was, that was there and got as drunk as humanly possible. Wow. All the bar rooms looked the same from around the world. Let me tell you, there is, an, yeah. there is an Irish pub in Bahrain that you can close the doors and you, <laughs> you can feel like you are in the middle of Ireland. Like, it, it was all the same. Every stop that we had, that's what I did. How long did it take before you had that realization that you had been to those places, but whenever people would ask you about it or... I would make up stories. Uh, when yeah. people would ask me, I'd be like, yeah, I did all this stuff. You know, I was just lying because I didn't want people... Like, I mean, I would... 
when I was, you know, I was still drinking after I got out of the Navy, but yeah, for years I would just tell people things that like, this is what I did. No, no I like, I got drunk. That's yeah. what I, I got drunk and then went back to the ship and then like either went to sleep or would like throw up or like cause a ruckus. And the only reason I didn't get in trouble when I was in the Navy was because I was friends with the uh, military police people. And I would come back blackout, like no shoes, an absolute mess. <laughs> but I was funny, yeah. you know, and they liked me. And, like, I worked for them doing some stuff. And they were like, oh, yeah, he's fine. Just look out for yeah, it. Yeah, they would look out. Like, the connections I made with people, uh, you know, how they looked out for me to keep me out of trouble. But that's kind of goes along with the con artist that I was, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was just, yeah, did I wanted people to like me and everything. But I also wanted people to not really get on my case so I could do what I really wanted to do, which was get, like, I just wanted to get fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know? So I get out, um, second deployment, same deal. I get out of the Navy. I have no plan when I get out of the Navy. I'm like, people are like, what are you going to do? And I, I, I'm just throwing things I heard other people say, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going back to, Pen- I'm going back to, you know, Pennsylvania. So I come back and my parents, you know, everyone's happy to have me home. It was like the biggest relief ever to like get my DD-214 and it said honorable discharge. Like I was like, yes, thank you so much. And I'm like, they're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm just going to file for unemployment and figure it out. So I got out, I got out in like April of 2016. Um, June 1st was my, or beginning of June, I think was like my actual separation date. Um, that whole summer, um, I just collected unemployment and party. That was it. And I was going to do that for as long as I possibly could, but I was living in my parents' basement, you know, and they're just, they're letting me have some time, you know, like yeah. they're not really on my case. Cause they're like, you know, he, like I was legitimately, I got to see the entire time. Like I was just, I was just like, I need to, I need some time here. And, um, my mom was like, all right, you know, party's over. Like you gotta find something to do. So I'm like, all right, I'll just get a job at a prison and be a corrections officer. Like, you know, you can grow a beard and drink there. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did that. Um, I worked two to ten shift. And I remember leaving work. And in Danville, there's a Wise. And I would pick up like a 12-er at the Danville. Or the Wise in Danville. And then I would drive up to Williamsport and meet my friends at the bars there. But on the way from Danville to Williamsport, I would kill the 12-er. You know, yeah. this is just like after a shift. And then I'd go to the bar and you know i i was always very good at getting free drinks uh just because i was like loud and entertaining and i brought a crowd and like the bartenders like i wasn't like demanding of it just it's like something that would just happen for me like people would be like you know i'm not gonna charge my 400 dollars you know i'm gonna charge them 12. (laughs) yeah you know so like because if yeah i mean if they actually did charge me um i would have never drank at the bars like i would but i wouldn't have been able to afford it nobody could unless you're like a trust fund baby <laughs> but yeah no i would just keep and i did that for a while um i worked there for like two and a half years then one night um i was out with a buddy and i got in trouble then i got arrested um had an ankle bracelet on for like three months uh pr- pretty serious situation um not all of it was true um, that ended up working itself out um but i remember on that when i was um when I was on that ankle bracelet, I couldn't drink. So I was sitting in my parents' basement, I'm suspended from work, you know, all this stuff. And I am like thinking about how miserable I am, how terrible everything is. And I'm thinking about suicide. Like, I'm like, I'm trying to figure ways out that I can do it. And like, people will like mourn for my funeral yeah you know what i mean like because i don't want to just die i want people to like remember me as like this good guy honest guy had a good heart you know all this stuff manipulate your own suicide yep (laughs) yep and i'm like man like could i find a way to like make it look like i just like died in a car accident or you know something like that you know i remember driving around during that time and i'd be on back roads going like 120 miles per hour you know, just like in my like Dodge 1500, like just, and it was like snowing and stuff out too, you know, for, I have no idea how like, I never hit a black, you know, black ice or, you know, didn't, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm not that good of a driver. You know what I mean? Like I can't swerve through like <laughs> back roads like that. And I would do it. I did it more than once. Uh, but yeah, I was like, I'm going to 
try to find a way and for whatever reason I couldn't you know hit that patch or you know I could never com like I remember driving all, like over bridges and stuff and like turning to the right and stuff like this and getting close and going back and I'm not drinking during all this time so I'm miserable you know I'm absolutely miserable and uh, you know I get through that you know charges get dropped and everything and uh, I remember my brothers were like yo you know let's go to Philly because I had a buddy out in Philly a uh, really good friend and uh, I'm like yeah let's get you know let's go from that point until the day I got sober I don't think that I spent more than like 48 hours without something in my system like I from that point on I was like dead inside like it was just like I couldn't get drunk right anymore so I have a buddy call me and he's like hey man you want to move to San Diego and I'm like yeah yeah like I'm right yeah I just change of scenery is gonna fix yeah, it yeah. another geographical change you yep. know um, so I got to San Diego and I remember we had this place and I, I went from being like a very social person to he would go to school because I wasn't doing anything yet I sold my truck and I had a little bit of money so I could like I was like, I'm just going to do what I did when I got out of the Navy for a little bit, you know. But he would go to school, and I'm living in, like, a beach town in San Diego, and I didn't get out of the house. Like, I would just sit there and, like, smoke my weed pen and, like, drink a little bit. And then when, uh, when uh, you know, he had, a, he had a friend there, um, and, you know, we would, <laughs> we, on the weekends, like, People would be from here would be calling like, "How you doing?" Be, oh, dude, I'm hanging out at the beach every day. You know, I'm learning how to surf. You know, doing all this cool stuff. I met a girl. You know, I'm doing all this. None of that was happening. What was happening on the weekends was, is I was going to like this dude's house and we were passing a coke plate around the living room. Uh, you know, we used to have this saying like we'd put it in the microwave for 38 seconds, no more, no less, so it would cut better. And I did that for like my first year I was out there. You know, like I didn't like do really much. Like I would meet people and be, "Have you been to this bar? You've done that?" Like, no, nah, dude, no, nah, I'm too broke. <laughs> you know, I'm too broke. Like, who can afford to do that? Yeah, while like, you're doing, yeah, well, I'm putting like five hundred dollars <laughs> up my nose every week. You know what I mean? Um, and that's just what I was snorting. And then you know, I'm smoking all the time. Um, you know, I'm drinking all the time. And I ended up like getting into school and I'm doing that and I'm like. I have a job, um, you know, I got my first sales job and I'm doing okay at that. And then I meet this girl and um, she was a babe. You know, <laughs> probably still is, haven't seen her, but like she was everything I was ever looking for. And I was like, I found it, you know, like I'm good now. And for a little bit I was, you know, we had fun, you know, she, I don't, I'm not gonna, you know, air her business out or anything like that, but she she wasn't on me like other people were about you know the way I drank and everything like she liked to go out too you know, yeah like like most people do um, so we would go out and we'd have fun and like everything was cool and then you know some stuff happened and I started just having like some resentments towards her and like this anger would come out towards her and everything like that and I would you know yell at her and curse her out and stuff like that and like. You know, it was just like, I was so t very toxic. And I ended up like losing my job because I wasn't very good at it yet. It was like my first phone sales job and I like didn't really know what I was doing. Got another job, you know, and like things would, with her would ride like a roller coaster. And then COVID hits, you know, and I have this job. I was there for a week. Then, then the work from home order like got. So I'm doing cold calling from home and I'm riding this roller coaster and like the first week or two I'm all right you know I'm like I'm not doing anything out of character you know I'm like I'm going I'm like I'm like oh this is kind of cool but I realized that I'm a, like by this point my roommate had gone back to where he's from and uh you know I'm living in this uh one bedroom or no this studio like right on the beach in San Diego it's a pretty sick spot like you know but you know, it's COVID and, uh, you know, you can't do anything. And I'm stuck in this room just call, calling people alone with my thoughts, you know. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Horrible. Like, <laughs> I was, like, telling them, like, yo, I need to get back in the office. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going crazy here. And I would just, I could not deal with it. I could not be alone with, like, my own thoughts. I couldn't be alone with silence. Um, I couldn't be alone with anything. Like, I would wake up and I would start drinking right away. 
because I'm like, the only way I'm going to make it through this day is with a, like a buzz on. And then, you know, I'd get a little too drunk. So then I'd smoke to like settle myself down a little bit. But then I was tired and I'd be like, I still have a little bit of a bag left. I'm going to do a couple lines. And I did that for so long. Like I, that was probably, probably, I don't know, May or June of 2020. And uh, I got sober in January. So I did that for like five to seven months, you know, like every day, pretty much. Just on everything. Everything. Like I would like, <laughs> I would like send out Snapchat videos in the morning of me shotgunning like a White Claw or something. Because by this point, I'm drinking White Claws because I had stomach ulcers. So um, they were pretty easy on my stomach. And I remember going to the doctor for like that stuff. And they're like, you need to stop drinking. And my exact response was... That's not going to happen. Like, what else do you got? Yeah. They're like, you need to take Omeprazole and you need to, like, not drink. And I was like, I'll take the Omeprazole, which I kind of took. Like, but, uh, yeah, so I was just doing that for a while. Um, ended up moving in with said girl. Things were going well, you know, um, I thought, but it was the same thing there. Like, I thought once I, like, we ended up, like, f- making things official, you know, I move in, that things were going to get better. But at the end of the day, like, I still have not addressed the things that, were wrong with me at all like even even at all at all yeah like i haven't even i don't even know at this point like i'm still like yo why am i like so crazy you know <laughs> like why am i angry like why am i just pacing around my house i'm not exercising i'm not getting sun i'm not eating right i'm just getting fucked up and like smoking like a shit ton of weed and like just hoping that like the next day is going to be better i remember but not changing anything nothing yeah. Nothing. I changed nothing. And I was hiding it from her at this point because we lived together. And I guess I was probably hiding how much I was drinking from her for a while. Because I remember, like, I knew she would, like, get off work, go to the gym. And there would be days where I was, like, on one. Like, I was, like, a half a bag deep and, like, <laughs> like 20 drinks. And, like, you know, I was fucked up. And I would, like, go jump in the ocean. And then I'd shower. And then I'd go meet her. Like, brush my teeth, mouthwash, the whole thing. And, like, she'd have, like, I don't know, like, a little bit of wine after work. And I'd, like, be like, okay, yeah, I'll have one or two. And, you know, I wasn't much of a wine drinker because it hurt my stomach so much. But, yeah, I would just act like... And then when we lived together, I would, like, go to the liquor store in the morning, like, pick up tequila or something, drink that, and, like, throw the bottles away before she got home. I would clean up, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, I... I have no idea how much she even knows about that, but, uh, ended up, you know, meet, went to meet her family and everything. And I remember going to shake her dad's hand and my hand couldn't stop shaking. Like, and I'm like, something's fucked up with me. And even before, like, like right before that trip, I felt off. Cause I don't get nervous to meet people. You know, it's not one of my things. Like, even then, before then, like, I can meet people. It's like, I'm really good at job interviews. Yeah. You know, like, it's just one of those things that, like, I've always has been. It's never been something for me where I've been like, yeah, what is going on? And I'm not talking about, like, a little bit of butterflies. I'm talking about full-on panic attacks. You know, and I'm like, what? What is going on? I'm like, I got it. You know, I remember, like, looking at my hand and being like, oh, we're fucked. You know, but, like... (laughs) You know, I made it through that weekend and like, I don't, I don't even know how it went to tell you the truth. Like they said it did okay in some aspects and I was like, I don't know about that, but, uh, made it through that, you know, we get through new years and stuff and like, but I remember we had a party at our place one night and one of her friends was talking about, I'm going to do sober January. And I was like, what the fuck is sober January? <laughs> and she was like, it's when you're sober for the whole month. Like I would never do that. <laughs> I'm like alcohol and I said this and I believed this I say alcohol is the only thing that makes me happy I would say shit like that I'd say shit like um, I drink because there's something inside me that I'm trying to kill you know like I would just say this stuff in casual conversation and people would be like what the fuck it's fucking dark yeah, yeah, like, yeah what guy? is up with this dude like <laughs> he just went from being the happiest dude in the room and then he says some shit like that and then he goes back to being the happiest person in the room you know, and he's dancing and he's playing beer pong and then he comes in and he's like, talk, makes a suicide joke and then like, <laughs> you know, he does this shit, like, you know. But yeah, so end up, you know, get through that. You know, I go and I like, I cheat on her like in the worst possible fashion and like, I'm not going to get into the details about that because like, honestly, I just, I like just can't. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, I just can't. And uh, you know, super like 
low like think of like the lowest of the ways that you can go about doing it and that's what, exactly what i did mm-hmm. um didn't tell her about it for a little bit you know we continued on as a couple for like two weeks um ended up the guilt i couldn't do it anymore you know like i just felt so guilty every day you know like i knew i fucked up and i was at this point i'm like i'm gonna change you know like so i'm calling the va and i'm like i need to get in an alcohol class she's like what's going on you know what i mean like what is wrong with you right now and i'm like nothing you know it's not a big deal so the guilt <laughs> you know the, i lied to her so many times you know and the guilt ends up getting to me and i tell her and i don't tell her because it's something that she needed to know because it was i tell her because i can't handle the guilt anymore you know and she i remember watching her heartbreak and i remember her walking out of the apartment and like putting her hand on the door or doorknob and looking back at me i remember in that moment i told myself we have to change something you know never make somebody feel like that again i never wanted to feel like that again so i call my boss um and i'm like I need to go somewhere like I'm not welcome here anymore you know like I'm not you know I knew I wasn't I was like I don't know what's gonna happen with like my stuff or anything like that I just know that like when she comes back I can't be here I write her like a little note she checks in on me like hey you're gonna pretty much you're gonna kill yourself and I'm like no I'm at this guy's house you know he's gonna take care of me I would go I get an uber to his place I don't have a car you know because you know alcoholic stuff (laughs) um I walk in and I remember he hugs me and I start just like scream crying like like I have like zero weight left in my legs at this point and dude at this point like I'm probably 220 now I'm like 180 pounds then like I saw a video of me like super skinny then like I look sick you know and uh I'm scream crying and he's and I remember he tells me he's just like you're safe here but if you, you can stay here as long as you need but uh you're not allowed to drink or do any drugs here. And I was like, okay. You know, and that was January 16th of 2021 of last year. Um, I say my sobriety date's January 18th because, like, I don't really remember the 17th. Yeah. You know, like, the next day my boss brought me to my buddy's house because my buddy was in Mexico. Um, You can do that in San Diego. You can just have weekends in Mexico. Um, But he came back and I was like, hey, can you drop me off here? He's like, yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm pacing in his front yard. I'm going crazy. Like I'm crying, I can't sit down. I'm chain smoking cigarettes. Like I probably smoke four packs of cigarettes. And uh, my buddy goes, dude, look at you right now. Like get in the car, like you're going to the hospital. And I'm like, dude, I know it's gonna be fine. Like you just gotta, you know, and I'm like scheming again. You know, I'm like, I just gotta be able to do this stuff and everything's gonna be okay. She'll let me back in. He's like, no, she won't, it's over. He's like, the only thing you can do right now is fix you and let her heal. He goes, don't fucking say anything to her. And I don't really think I followed that very well. But uh, <laughs> We usually don't. Yeah, no. But I got in the car. He took me to the VA hospital. And I remember when we pulled up to the hospital, for some reason, I just had this sense of ease about me. Like, I think it's going to be okay. And I had no reason to feel that way at this point. You know, like I legitimately thought that I had just affected my life, her life, everybody's life. I burned every bridge with everybody that's ever cared about me. You know, like I'm not on a winning streak at this point. You know, and I go in the hospital and they, you know, they they do what they do and everything. They're like, hey, you gotta do this. And I was like, okay. So I end up going to another buddy's house because I had like an extra room for me. And I, well, why was that? Well, let me backtrack. Why was that? My buddy's house who got back from mexico um i called my brother and early in sobriety my story was i called my brother for help i called my brother for money you know mm-hmm. when the honesty thing kicks in and the further you go and i didn't even realize this for until like a couple months ago but my original reason for calling my older brother was i just wanted some money just to make it through the day and i i'm pretty sure i asked him for it He's, and he told me, like, there's nothing I can do to help you at this point. You should call Taylor. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll call Taylor. So I called Taylor, and Taylor's talking me off a ledge, you know, and I'm yeah. pouring my heart out to him. I'm crying. I'm I'm, I'm gone, you know what I mean? Um, and Taylor, uh, he's like, you know, he talks me off the ledge. He's like, dude, just don't drink, you know, smoke as many cigs as you need to smoke. He's like, just, you know, I don't know what we're going to do, but, like, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, okay. And then uh, 
I called Josh and Josh told me to call his dad. So I called his dad and I remember I'm going through and I'm pouring my heart out to Josh's dad. And he, he says to me, uh, I understand, I've been there. Um, the way that you're feeling right now, you don't ever have to feel that way again. And I was said, what do I have to do? And he said, do you believe in God? And I rolled my eyes because I didn't want to fucking hear shit about God at this moment. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, just pray and say, he goes, then pray. And I was like, what do I say? And he's like, how about help me? And I was like, okay. He goes, and at the end of the night, say thank you. And I was like, okay. I have not done things perfectly in sobriety as far as steps or meetings or commitments or anything or amends or anything like that. That is something that I've probably done 99% of the time. Um, it's just in the morning, help me and at night, thank you. And it's expanded to, you know, start working that into praying for other people. I have no idea why that worked for me. I just know that I was somebody at the end and even for most of like my drinking career where I couldn't, once I started, I couldn't stop. And I haven't drank in a year and a half and I haven't wanted to drink for pretty much a year and a half. You know, um, got a hold of my mom then and she was like, I'm putting you on a plane, you're coming home. Yeah, she didn't really give me much wiggle room. She was like, you're a freaking disaster right now. You have been for a while. Like, you just lost the love of your life pretty much. Like, you were going, you were coming home. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll come home. You know, I was just, I was out of fight at that point. You know, I was just like, whatever they tell me to do, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And I think at the beginning, it was like, I had in my head, if I do all these things, I'm going to get everything that I just pushed away back. Or actually, in the beginning, it was like everything I just lost. I'm going to get it back you know so i played along you yeah. know so, so it was I, motivation yeah no there was motivation. a there was there was a goal you know yeah. like i when i came back like i remember taylor picked me up for my first meeting and dude on the flight back it was the longest flight of my life i remember sitting i went from san diego to chicago then chicago to state college and i remember sitting in the chicago O'Hare airport sweating like, I'm sweating. I smell, dude. I don't look good at all. Like, I'm in the same clothes I've been in for, like, three days. Like, I'm, I've got, like, terrible shakes. Like, horrible. And, like, I'm, like, I'm detoxing in the middle of a fucking airport, you know? Yeah. And people are walking by looking at me like I am a homeless person. Like, I remember the looks on their faces. And I was, you know, at the time, if I didn't have parents, I was a homeless person. <laughs> yeah. You know? There was nobody that was going to be, like... Well, you know, let me, you can crash here for a little bit. Those bridges were burned. Dude, like, they were burned. I'm sure there might have been a friend somewhere that might have been, like, you know, that hadn't seen me in a while or that I hadn't really done that bad yet that might have, like, <laughs> helped me out. Yeah. But if I, like, if I didn't have my parents or my brothers, like, I don't know where I was going to go. So I get back on the plane and I remember the flight attendant walks by and she's like, would you like anything to drink? And I see, like, the uh, little, like, mini airplane bottles and I'm just staring at them and I whatever reason I said no you know I get back my parents you know they bring me back Taylor picks me up for my first meeting the night before my first meeting I didn't sleep I threw up a couple times um you know I uh I was a mess and uh Taylor comes and picks me up and Taylor is somebody that I partied with back in the day somebody that was at least some, not as familiar as I am now, but I knew his story. I knew where he was. And uh, I saw him as an active alcoholic. And, you know, I liked him, but like he, you know, he was a different person than he is now. And uh, he picked me up and he was happy. You know, he's playing gangster rap. He's like, hey, what's up, man? You ready to go get sober? You know, like, <laughs> you know, but he got me a coffee and everything. And like, I, at that, like at that point, I'm like, all right, something's different between you and I. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we're on completely yeah, different pages. Yeah, you haven't drank and you're happy. I haven't drank in like four days at this point and I am miserable. Like, So I go to my first meeting. I don't really remember much from it. Like, I didn't... I don't know if I got much from it. Um, but as we're leaving, we're leaving and I'm like, all right, Taylor, what do I have to do? And he's like, you know, you got to get a sponsor and do whatever they tell you to do. And I'm like, all right, can you be my sponsor? He's like, no. 
you know, I can't be your sponsor. We've done too many drugs together. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, who do you recommend? You know, and he recommended my sponsor. And, you know, um, I'm not going to get into my sponsor's story. Uh, but, you know, my good guy, really good guy, still my sponsor today. And uh, I remember when I was three months sober. Um, so for early on for me in sobriety, it was... I was so depressed and so miserable, but at the same time, I was almost on this like pink cloud. And that's kind of where our podcast came from was, it was just like, I was so optimistic that everything was just going to work out. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening, but like I'm changing and everybody needs to know, mm-hmm. you know, it's exactly where this podcast started. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I was just like, I, so, you know, I, my sponsor, he like, he was going to hike the Appalachian Trail, or at least a portion of it. And uh, he's like, hey, you're not doing shit. Like, can, I need a ride down there. Can you drive me down and, like, drive back, like, my car, my gas, I'll give you some money. I'm like, yeah, dude, sure. So on the way down, um, he tells me his whole story. And, uh, I mean, it, his story's long. You know, he's, <laughs> you know, we I'll say this. We were, like, seven hours in, and he was like, and then I got sober. You know, <laughs> he's been sober for a while. You know, he's been sober a couple decades. Um, but uh, so we're going down, and I heard everything. And dirt, when I he was talking, like I didn't relate to everything, but he didn't talk about the stuff he did as much as he talked about the way he felt during it. You know, the hole in your soul, dead inside feeling. The uh, when you're out and you constantly just want to be somewhere else. You know, uh, the never being able to like shut your brain off. The you could be in a room full of people and you feel lonely. You know, you talk. And for some reason, like, I keyed into all that stuff, and uh, I asked him like, "So why are you doing like this Appalachian Trail thing?" And he said, "Because it's the one thing I said I was gonna do when I was sitting on a bar stool." And I was like, "Holy shit! I've said I was gonna do so much shit." You know. And, you know, I've already told people I'm like skydive certified. Like I've been skydiving like three times. I've, I've never, I don't have a certification or anything. I still want to, but, uh, you know, but yeah. So I was just like, it opened my mind to like, I thought that my fun in life was over when I stopped drinking. Cause it was the only thing I ever pictured being fun was being like the life of the party. But it's like, oh, there's a whole new way to like enjoy your life, you know? So I get back from that and I, I'm on that for a while and like sobriety's going good. And, uh, you know, I'm going to me. One thing I have done is prayed and gone to me- a lot of meetings. I still hit four or five meetings a week. Most of the time it's six or seven, but, you know, life gets in the way. Uh, but at the same time, it's only an hour. Um, but things are going good until last summer. So last summer, we're kind of doing the pod and everything. And I'm going through it at this point. Like, I went and I made my amends. And one person I made my amends to, I wrote a whole letter, poured my heart out in there. And she sent back one of my bills that was delivered to the house. Mm. She said nothing. She didn't say, fuck you. She didn't say, go go die. She didn't say, I'm proud of you. She didn't say anything. She said nothing. Ladies, if you're listening or anybody out there, if you really want to fucking rock somebody in sobriety and they reach that, do the amends thing to you, say nothing because I almost got drunk over that. Like, I was sitting there last summer, and I was like, how do you say nothing? Your expectations were... My ex- I had no, I didn't know what to expect, but I expected something. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, I didn't think it was going... Too. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be good. You know what I mean? I was actually expecting, like, the fuck you, you're a piece. And I would have been cool with that. You know what I mean? I would have been like, yeah, you know, I deserved that. You know, but I got nothing. So I'm... I'm a mess and I'm talking to people about it and everything and they're just like the only thing you can do is live your life this way like you know like I got called out a couple times like you've been talking about all this stuff that you've been doing have you really been doing it and I'm like yeah of course I have you know because I'm still I'm still an alcoholic you know even though I'm sober I'm still an alcoholic I still think like an alcoholic and I'm like yeah man I've been doing and they're like then you shouldn't be miserable about it and I'm like okay but I'm still fucking miserable about it like in my experience if I'm worked up about something it's because I haven't been doing what I've said or I'm gonna do yeah or what has been told to me to do I've been just saying I'm gonna do it which is the same thing I did when I was drunk you know so how much have I really changed if that's it 
So we go through that. I even reached out in like January this year because it was just like, it was bothering me for that long. And we made no progress, dude, like none. <laughs> and I was just, at that point, I accepted like, I got to dig deeper here. You know, like I've got to find out what's inside me that needs this like validation. And I don't even know if I found it, but I guess, I think I just got busy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it doesn't bother me like it did. I'm a, now bring it up, it's starting to. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for that. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's what I've found throughout sobriety is just I have to act my way into like right thinking almost like and I have to be willing to change and I have to put the work into change because, you know, once you stop drinking, you find out why you drank, you know, it is it is a tough deal because you ride this emotional roller coaster that is just it is so unpredictable, you know, you could be like for me, it's like I I'm worried, almost worried about things going too well because I'm expecting the other shoe to drop. But then when things go too well, it's like almost like, I think I can have a beer. And then it's like, no, you can't. There's actually no evidence that I can have a beer. It's never happened, you know? Yeah. Like I, I had a buddy one time ask me and he's one of my really close friends. He's like, so you think you ever get to the point of you can only have one drink? And I'm like, have you ever seen me have one drink? He goes, never. And we've been drinking together since we were 16, 17, or even younger than that, maybe. And he's like, never. I've actually never seen you only have one. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think it ever happened. He's like, if you did, you were on some other stuff, you know. And I'm like, yeah. So, yeah, man, sobriety for me, um, I wouldn't. I went from a point of complete hopelessness, uh, being suicidal, uh, angry. You know, when I talk about anger, if... I saw somebody else say and do the things to my parents, my brothers, my friends, my ex-girlfriend especially, that I did, I'd have been ready to fucking throw hands. Like, I would have fucking killed somebody at some of the shit that I did. But I completely justified everything that I did at some point over time, you know, up until the point that I had that brief moment of clarity when she grabbed the door or the doorknob and looked back at me. And I went and looked at myself in the mirror and I saw myself for who I truly was in that moment. And that moment alone wasn't enough to like keep me sober, but it was enough to make me just ask a question, you know, like ask for help. And that started slowly snowballing into what has miraculously turned out to be a pretty good life. Yeah. You know, and uh, if you're one, if you're somebody out there that's struggling, you know, you're early in sobriety and you're like, this sucks yeah it fucking sucks it's you know like early sobriety is terrible and even times throughout it is tough that's but that's also called life yeah you know and we're people that especially when you're new in sobriety you don't know how to deal with it because the way that you dealt with it isn't working you know i was at a point with alcohol that i could not get drunk right anymore like it stopped working for me, so I found other options, and the, even they stopped working for In me. In combinations of yeah, options, yeah, dude, trying to find that mix of you know alcohol and drugs just to function is hell, and I never want to feel that way again. I don't, and thanks to you know recovery and the people that ensues and everything that goes along with that, you know I don't have to, you don't have to. Um, but it comes down to a personal choice. You know, every day when I wake up, I have to remember that, you know, when it comes to alcohol, I am 100% powerless. If I take a drink of alcohol, I have no idea where that ends. And for me, it ended with like very close to committing suicide. You know, I, if I would have had the balls too, I would have. I just didn't have the balls, you know. Yeah, I can relate. But yeah, so yeah, that's that's me. I mean, as far as anything else goes, I mean, my life today is it doesn't come without its struggles, but uh, it's really good. Um, you know, the, I don't play the old tapes as much as I used to, um, but they still pop up. Mm -hmm. You know, um, have I completely forgiven myself for everything? I I think I'm closer now than I ever have been. Um, that's good. But it took it took a long time for me to come to grips with how things are now you know what i mean like it took a like i could talk to somebody about it i could act like it but for me like mind body spirit soul to just be like some people are never going to talk to you again it goes back to the i want people to like me and when i know people don't it just keeps eating bothers me you yeah forever dude and i still think about those people probably every day but the feeling change has changed it used to be like this 
that feeling in my chest, that emptiness feeling that, you know, or I'd start thinking about shit they did to just make me angry at them or something. That's gone away for the most part. You know, if I start to get on that track, I typically call somebody. I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but this is what it's, this is what's going on in my brain right now. And they're just like, no, oh, you're doing it because you're an alcoholic, you know? Awesome. Well, thank you very much for sharing, man. I appreciate you very much. And I can relate to almost everything you're saying and just want to say thanks. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. And just, you know, remember that, uh, I mean, I don't really, I don't really give out sobriety advice. I just tell people what happened to me. But one thing that did happen for me was when I first got sober, um, I didn't have a car. I was crazy. I couldn't stop talking. If it was quiet for longer than two seconds, I was talking. You know, you probably, I haven't, I haven't gone back and listened to our early episodes in a while, but you could probably get that through that. Um, But somebody always was around to help me you know and i had nothing to offer anybody other than my sob story nothing like i didn't have any money i didn't have my stories weren't that, like that good <laughs> you know i found out that like like you hang around enough drunks and you're like oh i've got a real subpar like drunk story game like nobody dies nobody gets yeah. arrested really <laughs> you know what i mean like some of them are okay but like you know, but I always had a ride to a meeting. I always had somebody that would reach out and see if I was all right. You know, I always had everything I needed. I just, it was up to me to just put the legwork in. And uh, yeah, so for whenever anybody asks me to do anything as far as recovery goes, I just, if I can, I do it. Um, you know, and I try to keep that in the forefront of my brain um, just because I w- couldn't do this by myself. I still can't do this by myself. You know, um, and it's something that is my, it, it's my priority because it has to be. It's not my priority because, you know, I just am so, I'm super interested in it. Even though I am, you know, like if you get fascinated by recovery, it tends to stick. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, it's, I just could not do this without the people that, you know, have been put in place for me. And, um, you know, part of doing this is trying to give it away. So that's what I try to do. Excellent. Well, you gave a lot. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem, man.